had to score the first three rounds. I'm Jim. Look at the stare of the champion against the challenger. The irresistible force meeting the immovable object. The left hook again. This is In The Fight.net's In The Fight show on Sportinarium Radio, talking MMA, pro wrestling, and boxing. Follow the show on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at ITF Show. And now from Philadelphia, Doc, Brett, In The Fight. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to In The Fight. It is I, Brett Halpern, doing a solo mission. The captain, Michael Lipinski, unfortunately, is uh, tied up at the moment. Um, actually, I'm not sure he's tied up. That would be a little personal. I'm not sure if he's into that. Uh, what I meant to say is he's busy. Unfortunately, the hired gun also is busy. He was not able to step in on late notice. Uh, apologies uh, on behalf of the two of them. So, yes, we're all stuck with me, Brett Halpern. But anyways, most importantly, Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Some big news to begin. Yes, we started out on Sportinarium Radio. However, there has been a brand name change. And Sportinarium Radio, which you're going to be able to find on the Sportinarium Radio player, it is going to be turning into Sportswire Radio. I like the upgrade. Um, You know, the channel is, you know, really, we're really putting out all efforts to put out great content. Uh, including in the fight show. And that also includes, beginning September 3rd, the goal line stand, which is actually myself and Mike's uh, football podcast, which we do bring you uh, once a week a tremendous show talking all things football, uh, college, pro, you name it. Um, We are both football aficionados as well as combat sport aficionados. So, we thank you for tuning into that. We, we uh, are thrilled to be partnered with now Sportswire Radio. Uh, the big and bigger and better things to come for both the show, the station, as well as the rest of our um, co-patriots. Uh, I don't even know if that's a word, but you know what I'm getting at. Anyways, how do you find us? Well, we are on all social media at ITF Show. We additionally have our website www.inthefight.net. Moreover, we have merch. Yes, that is right. We have merch. It is nice. It is comfortable. It is stylish. Uh, go to TKO Store. That is T-E-E-K-O Store.com. Click on the collections uh, selection and then go to In the Fight. And you will see we have several shirts that uh, we currently offer. We're going to be designing more, but honestly, I love them. Uh, We've been getting very good reports from TKO Store. So thank you to those people who have already purchased shirts, Uh, but, you know, definitely get them, uh, rep the show, talk about us, um, you know, spread the word. And we again, we, we thank you all for the support. This has really been a labor of love. We're also brought to you by Michael's Glass Company, the premier glass company of the Delaware Valley area, serving the Delaware Valley since 1978. 215-338-3293. Tell them Mike and Brett sent you. Also, for all of you in the Delaware Valley area, particularly those out on the main line, check out DePaul's table. 
7 East Lancaster Avenue, Ardmore, PA, a modern Italian steakhouse right in the heart of Ardmore, Pennsylvania. Tremendous food. The owner is absolutely tremendous. The chef that he uh, brought over with him, fantastic. This is great food, great environment. Uh, for you guys out there trying to make an impression on a lovely lady, this would be an excellent date night. Then if you happen to see Anthony, who is the owner, please tell them that Mike and Brett sent you. Uh, Anthony, the owner, is one of the more special human beings uh, on the face of the earth. We love him, and this is a great place. Uh, so there you go. Now, on to the show. What do we have? Well, we are going to run down... Uh, the three up, three down from UFC 265, the pay-per-view that went down this past weekend. Also, we have a little quick preview of Bellator 264, as well as the uh, first installment, I guess we could say, of the 2021 Professional Fight League playoffs. And then if there's time at the end, last week we had a really interesting segment where we went into the what ifs in the world of professional wrestling and i figured you know if we have some time which we probably will since this is a solo show i'm going to go into my what ifs in the world of mixed martial arts and obviously if any of you have any or would like to comment by all means like i said at itf show in the fight.net follow us comment interact we love it okay so, with, without further ado, the three up from UFC 265. Oh, by the way, we also have one last Olympic combat sports three up winner as well. But so, without question, the number one person trending up after UFC 265 has to be Cyril Gunn, uh, who scored a TKO over Derek Lewis, four minutes, 11 seconds into round three to become the interim UFC heavyweight champion to become France's first-ever UFC champion. And I have to tell you, it looked easy. Uh, Cyril Gan, who now this is only his 10th professional fight, uh, or this was his 10th professional fight, looked calm. He looked prepared. He has a style that may not necessarily be soothing or pleasing to the average fan. It's a defensively-minded style. But he is incredibly athletic, powerful. He is very skilled. And I got to tell you, I am already immediately thinking that he's going to be able to take the main title off of his former <clears throat> training partner, Francis Ngannou. But anyways, let's get back to what occurred Saturday night. Honestly, it was when the, when the fight was first announced. I thought this was going to be a very tough matchup for Derek Lewis. You know, Derek Siragon uh, is a master of distance control, and Derek Lewis needs to get up close to land that that right hand. You know, that that his his own version of dim mock, right? That the uh, death touch, which he you know he possesses that power. But unfortunately, you have to be able to get near someone in order to hit them. And Cyril Gan is just so athletic, so skilled, whether it's through distance management, whether it's through his own strikes. Derek Lewis just simply was unable to close the gap uh, 
um, and really looked overwhelmed at times. I thought watching the UFC embeddeds leading up to the fight, the other thing that was really of note is there were several times where Derek Lewis talked about the pressure he felt fighting in Houston. And honestly, I almost feel as if while the UFC took advantage of it to get Houston's own to main event the card, I think for Derek Lewis personally, I think this was actually a little bit of a negative in that it was it was a a mental distraction. Um, he put a lot of pressure on himself. He was talking about that with Daniel Cormier in the pre-fight meetings with the media. So, you know, look, I don't really think that even though Derek Lewis, I think he only landed, I believe it was 16 punches the entire fight. I, to me, Derek Lewis is who he is. On any given day, he can knock out anyone in the planet. And who knows, maybe one day we will see him again in a title shot. He's still going to be able to fight the top contenders in the division. And on the right day, he can still beat the top contenders in the division. Cyril Ghosn, though, honestly, is just a cut above him with respect to being a mixed martial artist, with respect to athleticism. Uh, strategy, it just worked tremendously. And, you know, for people who say, well, you know, Cyril Gaon is this passive fighter. Look, Derek Lewis, not only is he an incredibly strong guy who has unbelievable power, he's an incredibly tough guy. So for Cyril Gaon to lay it on him the way he did for several minutes in round three and hurting Derek Lewis the way he did to the point where Derek Lewis did not want any more of that fight, you know, Cyril Gaon definitely possesses fight-altering power himself, so I think we definitely need to take that seriously. So, again, what's next? Well, what's next is Francis Ngannou. Francis Ngannou, for those who haven't seen, I believe check out, I want to say it's ESPN MMA's Instagram feed or it's Brett Okamoto's, and you'll see footage of Francis Ngannou and Cyril Gaon when they used to be training partners in France under Fernand Lopez. And, you know, I got to tell you, it's just training footage. We don't know the whole story. One of the guys could have been going harder that day. You don't know the full context. Cyril Gaon looked really good. And we also know that Cyril Gaon has grown leaps and bounds since whenever that time is. Now, so is Francis Ngannou. Um, I think Francis will find similar issues with respect to trying to close the distance. I think he is more he's more uh, uh, well equipped to close the distance as compared to Derek Lewis. But Sirogan, uh, I gotta tell you, I, I really right now I would favor him to beat Ngannou uh, in a fight. It's obviously going to take place. I would think, you know, towards maybe the December card, maybe uh, January card, but it's going to take place rather soon, I would think, because Cyril Gaon did not uh, sustain any damage in this fight against Derek Lewis. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see. Again, this is really big for France, who recently, just prior to the pandemic, legalized MMA. Um, Francis Ngannou, after emigrating from Cameroon, went to France. Sirogan is from France, so this is a really big deal here. They're former training partners. I believe there is some bad blood in the way, in the manner in which Francis Ngannou left the camp in France because now he trains out of Extreme Couture in Las Vegas. So there's a lot of interesting storylines there. Um, 
Is this going to be a million pay-per-view buy card? No. But it doesn't have to be, and either way, it's going to be a very entertaining fight. Because similar to Derek Lewis, Francis Ngannou could put anyone in the world to sleep with one punch. So there's always that issue. And I do think that people forget that Francis Ngannou has a great chin because Stipe Miocic in their first fight landed some tremendous shots against uh, Francis Ngannou, and he kept coming forward. So I'm really excited for whenever that fight takes place. But for now, we have an interim champion, and his name is Cyril Gaon. Congrats to him. Uh, as for the second fighter trending up after this weekend, going to go for uh, Brazil's own Vicente Luque, who in the featured bout, of the main card submitted Michael Chiesa three minutes and 25 seconds into round one via Darsh choke. Uh, this was a crazy fight. I'm going to get a little bit more into it as well during the trending down section, but uh, Luke uh, sort of withheld or managed the storm. Uh, that was Michael Chiesa, and in the middle of a uh, quick grappling exchange, was able to quickly lock up a Darsh choke and submitted Michael Chiesa. Uh, he submitted other fighters in the past. I believe he's a brown belt in BJJ. And afterwards, he called out his friend uh, Kamaro Usman uh, for a welterweight title fight. And honestly, he... Uh, Vicente Luque is now the highest-ranked UFC fighter in the welterweight division that Kamaru Usman has not fought. And I think he's probably earned the title shot. Now, my first thoughts as to that matchup, I think that Kamaru Usman's stand-up has come along to a point where, it, at the very least, he's almost he's essentially on the same level as Vicente Luque. Um, in terms of the ground game, if Michael Chiesa was able to take down Vicente Luque with such authority with the double leg, Kamaru Usman will also be able to do that. And Kamaru Usman is far better with respect to top control and positional dominance. So I would highly favor Kamaru Usman in that matchup. But nevertheless, Vicente Luque has earned the right to test himself against the champion. And this is the that's the great thing about MMA is you never know. Uh, Vicente Luque is uh, really, you know, the, the quintessential mixed martial artist, a uh, very respectful guy. Uh, also is in the, in the past done training in New Jersey. So shout outs to him for that. Uh, but yes, he is their number two trending up after this weekend, after the UFC 265 card. The third fighter trending up after UFC 265 to me is bantamweight Song Yudong. Uh, Song opened up main card with a very close and very hard fought uh, split decision win over Casey Kenny. Uh, to me, particularly given what has gone down in the bantamweight division as of late, the return of TJ Dillashaw. You have Aljamain Sterling fighting Peter Yan uh, for the rematch soon. All the great fighters in the bantamweight division. It might be the most stacked division in the UFC. Song Yudong winning really was huge in terms of, because he and uh, Casey Kenny, I believe going into the fight, were ninth and 10th ranked respectively in the bantamweight division. So for Song Yudong to win the fight, you know, it sort of keeps his train running, right? Keeps the the hype train running and enables him to 
move forward in the division. He's also super young. So, you know, I I don't even think we've seen close to the best version of Song Yudong. And he also possesses fight ending power. Obviously not in the in the heavyweight division where they're you know, these guys are walking around at 260, but at 135. Nevertheless, Song Yudong, congrats to him. Uh, as I mentioned, I did want to <coughs> excuse me. Uh, give a shout out to um, really first off, give a shout out to all the Americans who the United States did tremendously well in the Olympics. I believe we led the total medal count as well as the gold medals. Um, and one of those I wanted to sh- give a shout out to trending upwards was Gable Stevenson, uh, who won the gold medal in the 125 kilogram men's uh, freestyle wrestling. Uh, competition when it uh, he defeated the previous world champion it was a georgian unfortunately i forgot his name uh in a last second win gable stevenson comes from university of uh, minnesota he was the dan hodge winner he was a national champion we've seen him train with brock lesnar uh he's interacted with both the wwe and the ufc uh, actually, I believe it was yesterday morning. He there was a tweet from him where he's waving to Dana White. Uh, so, look, this guy he has the it factor too. He uh, is incredibly athletic for a man his size, and uh, you know is, is a born entertainer. So I'm very interested to see what's next for Gable Stevenson. It looks as if he's looking to turn to the professional ranks as opposed to staying in the amateur world and defending his Olympic medal title. Um, But again, congrats to Gable Stevenson. Congrats to honestly, all the Olympians uh, across all the nations for representing their countries proudly. Um, So with that, uh, every time there's three up, there unfortunately has to be three trending down. And my first fighter trending down is Michael Chiesa. As I mentioned, he uh, was submitted by Vicente Luque via Dar's Choke in round one. Um, After a brief sort of stalemate on the feet, Chiesa was able to get Luque down very easily with a forceful double leg uh, and quickly uh, was able to get the – he almost had a full back mount. He wasn't. He didn't quite have his second hook in, but had but threatened several times with a rear naked choke and very nearly um, submitted Vicente Luque before Luque was able to scramble out and quickly lock up that Darce choke. And while taking nothing away from what Vicente Luque did, to me, I almost interpreted that fight or when watching it is like Michael Chiesa choking and Michael Chiesa afterwards graciously, you know, in, in a statement was talking about how the moment got too big for him and he essentially panicked, um, you know, and, and choked. Uh, and it's a shame because he really, whether it was him or Luke, it was going to set up a potential championship match as I discussed against Kamara Usman. So, Unfortunately, Chiesa, this has happened to him before, you know, when he was a lightweight, uh, you know, now he's now a welterweight. He had fought Kevin Lee. There was a big time fight, a lot of emotions. He let that get the best of him and Kevin Lee dominated him. Uh, So I think that's something that uh, Michael Chiesa needs to address. He's a super smart guy and a very talented fighter. This is not the end of Michael Chiesa. It's simply just a roadblock. We're going to hear more from him. 
uh, and see more from him down the line. Uh, he, he's a very exciting fi- uh, grappling-centric fighter, but really like him. And uh, But unfortunately for this week, he's definitely trending down. My number two trending down fighter is Rafael Fiziev. Rafael Fiziev was actually the winner of what I definitely thought was the fight of the night of the entire UFC 265 card. It was the main event of the prelims where he defeated Bobby Green via uh, split decision. Was this, hold on, you know what? I just want to confirm that it was a split decision. And actually, no, it was a unanimous decision. Excuse me. And either way, it was an absolutely tremendous fight. Um, back and forth. But I think particularly given his previous performance against Hanato Moicano. A lot of people, including me, thought even though this may be a step up and Bobby Green is a sort of this, you know, wily veteran, that Fiziev would be able to sort of just walk through him and route to becoming a ranked fight, a ranked lightweight, and, and sort of on his way to becoming a champion or a title contender and it didn't turn out that way i mean again he fought well uh but i think you you found a few holes in his game even in his vaunted stand-up so to me uh, (coughs) excuse me i think the hype train needs to be slowed down a little bit i think that he needs to sort of rein in his style so that he could best be able to exert himself for a full three rounds and eventually a full five rounds because at times it looked as if he was fading. Uh, I think he needs to become a little bit more defensively sound. Um, But that said, he's still tough as nails, still very entertaining to watch. But because the hype train was moving so fast and to me slowed down tremendously this weekend, I had to put him trending down. Uh, My third fighter that put trending down unfortunately uh is carolina kovalkiewicz she lost her fifth straight fight to jessica panay uh via armbar submission four minutes and 32 seconds in the round one carolina kovalkiewicz is one of my favorite um fighters um she had you know came on the scene very interesting style uh very volume heavy was really good in the clinch she has a win over rose dami Yunus. She fought Joanna Janjetrik when Joanna was the champion at UFC 205, nearly knocked Joanna out. I believe it was in the fourth round, gave her a very tough fight. It just looks as if she's one of those contenders that the game has sort of passed by. Uh, her last fight was against Yan Zhaonan, and she suffered facial fractures. Now she you know, suffered what appeared to be a broken arm because of the arm bar. It's five straight losses. I can't imagine the UFC is going to keep her around. Uh, I know she had thought about wanting to start a family. She has gotten married. So if this is the end of her career, I do uh, congratulate her on that. Uh, but unfortunately, it definitely looks as if the game is passing her by and that she no longer has the ability to be a top contender uh, in the UFC women's strawweight division. So for that, she is uh, trending down. So there are your three up again, Cyril Gon, Vicente Luque, Song Yudong with the Olympic uh, trending up being Gable Stevenson, 
three down, Michael Chiesa, Rafael Fiziev, and Karolina Kovalkiewicz. So what do we have coming up this weekend? Well, there's actually no UFC event. But uh, rest easy on Friday. There's actually two events. We have Bellator 264 as well as the first installment of the 2021 PFL playoffs. So first Bellator 264. Uh, by the way, it's really interesting. Bellator has now caught up to the UFC in terms of numbered events. Now, obviously, the UFC has fight nights, which they don't count, and I've previously complained because you have, you know, now there's UFC Vegas, there's UFC on ESPN, there used to be UFC on FX, UFC on Fuel. I don't know why they don't just count all of those as fight nights. That's a separate discussion. But, you know, we just finished UFC 265, now there's Bellator 264. Maybe I'm strange and I'm the only one that finds that interesting, and if so... I'm sorry for wasting 30 seconds of your life. Anyways, on to the preview. In the main event, we have Gegard Mousasi against John Salter for the middleweight title. Um, to me, I think this is a clear-cut, easy victory for Gegard Mousasi, who is you know one of the more established veterans in the sport of mixed martial arts. I think he's literally fought in almost every promotion in the last 10 years, all the major ones, uh, you know, Strike Force, Ryzen, Dream, UFC, uh, Bellator, you, you name it. Um, very well-rounded fighter. I, If he's not, if he's no longer at the top of his game, he is not far from it. I think John Salter, who, you know, we saw even back in the day, I think he was – you know, UFC 118, UFC 125. He's definitely come a long way since then. I just think Gegard Mousasi has too many tools. Uh, I think other than that, I'm excited to see Magomed Magomedov fight as well as the Saba Hamasi versus Andre Koreshkov fight uh, on the main card. I think Andre Koreshkov is a super talented fighter. And Pam Sorensen is actually going to be fine. Mainlining, or excuse me, headlining the prelim card, which you can catch on MMAJunkie.com. Uh, with respect again to the PFL playoffs, we have the welterweight and lightweight semifinals. The main event of the night is going to be Ray Cooper against Rory McDonald. I got to tell you, you know, particularly given the way Gleason Tebow fought Rory McDonald, I, I definitely can see or envision a scenario with Ray Cooper winning. It's amazing. There was a you know a time when Rory McDonald, I think, was the uncrowned champion, the the best welterweight in the world, and that is, this is definitely a case to me of someone who, you know, earlier I was speaking about Karolina Kovalevich, where the game has passed her by. I don't think the game has passed by Rory McDonald, but I think this is more of an example of someone who's been in so many wars. I think about the Robbie Lawler fights in particular with the busted nose and some of the other beatings that he's sustained, um, you know, even in wins that I, I think that it really, you, you know, this is, it's an amazing sport, but it's also a very brutal sport. And you leave some, you leave a part of you uh, in that cage, in that octagon, whatever uh, organization you're in. And um, you're never quite the same. And particularly when it's a fight um, that is that physical, that has you know that much violence, you, you sustain a lot of damage. You're never quite the same. So to me, I, 
I don't really know. It's going to be a very interesting fight. The second semifinal is Magomed Magomed Karimov. Yep, I did say that right. Versus Sadabu Sai. Uh, Megaman Kremov, I believe, is actually the number one seed in this tournament. Uh, I suspect that he will very easily defeat his opponent. I am favoring him to win the welterweight tournament. At lightweight, you have Clay Collard, who had uh, earlier this season defeated Anthony Pettis against Roush Manfio, and then Alex Martinez versus uh, Loik Radzibov. You know, look, I, I think the PFL has done a nice job. Uh, we've talked, I've talked about this with, uh, both Mike and with Zach, you know, the, I like the presentation. I think sometimes all of the statistics, which are very interesting, all this, you know, showing how fast the strikes are, the different strike numbers, it just gets a little busy for me. And I feel like I'm looking at that more than I'm looking at the fight. Uh, aside from that, I, I think that the PFL's done a nice job of becoming a viable organization. They've gotten some good acquisitions. I don't really, interestingly, none of them have really worked out. Rory McDonald probably being the best one. I mean, Anthony Pettis, unfortunately, uh, did not make the playoffs of the lightweight division. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Fabricio Verdum, former UFC heavyweight champion, unfortunately did not work out. I don't have to get that phone call, but someone's trying to reach me. I'm a very popular guy. Uh, so either way, I, I, I do think the PFL has done a nice job. Uh, I think they're going to continue to get more named fighters and become a viable second or third MMA organization in the country. So either way, uh, the main card is on ESPN Plus, I believe, Friday night. So check that out. So Friday will night will be a good night of MMA for all of you fans out there. I know I will be checking in. In terms of MMA scheduling news, not as much as last week, although there is another fight. Uh, that UFC 268 card really is shaping up to be special. Um, the UFC has booked a fight between two real up-and-coming middleweight prospects, Eben Shabazian is going to be taking on Nazardin Imovov. Imovov is fresh off his... Um, Second, I believe it was a second round stoppage over Ian Heinish. Shabazian uh, has lost two fights recently, looking to rebound, but I think this is really a great fight. Should be a stand up affair, which uh, would benefit Shabazian. So it's definitely going to be an interesting fight. Speaking of UFC 268, I think Mike and I may have touched upon this last episode. The co main event, which currently is scheduled to be Michael Chandler against Justin Gaethje. That is for, you know, that's as good as you can get in terms of MMA fights. I mean, that is technique, athleticism, and violence all mixed up into one beautiful package that us MMA fans love. Having said that one issue may be that Michael Chandler by the time of the event, which is November 6th may not actually be vaccinated and the reason he is given is that he is still hesitant to uh, get the vaccination because it is not yet fully approved by the fda it's only still under the emergency use authorization um look mike and i have it seems like it's every week now talked about um and voiced our frustrations over people's hesitancies and 
crazy uh, concocted stories and citing ridiculous conspiracy theories regarding vaccination. Um, you know, with this, uh, I know that the FDA is close to making this, uh, fully approving this. So hopefully Chandler can get vaccinated before, you know, beyond the, I don't know why he couldn't beforehand. Again, it's incredibly frustrating, but uh, I don't want to waste any more breath on that. Uh, but either way, I do hope that that fight, the fight is going to take place. I just hope it takes place on that card. There's something about Madison Square Garden. Having attended the last Madison Square Garden card with Zach, uh, you know, the hired gun, the which was the BMF championship fight uh, between Nate Diaz and, and Jorge Masvidal. There really is something special about watching combat sports in Madison Square Garden. It is the world's most famous arena. You're watching event you're watching a fight where in that same footprint was, you know, Ali Frazier one and two, where you had fighters such as Roberto Duran and other famous fighters, Vander Holyfield, Lennox Lewis, so many other fighters just, you know, put it all on the line. And it it's a great there's a great lineage there in the combat sports realm. And you can, there's just a heightened sense of importance. So I think that fight taking place on that card really would make it special. So, you know, hopefully Chandler gets it. We will keep you updated with respect to that. And now, as I mentioned, uh, we have some time left because it's a solo show, which typically goes a little quicker. And as I mentioned last week, we had our what ifs in the world of professional wrestling. And this week, I just wanted to kind of throw out there some of my what ifs in the world of MMA. And again, if you have any of your own, if you want to comment on some of the ones that I'm uh, listing right now, by all means, comment. You know, we're now on YouTube, we're on Facebook, we have our Facebook group again at In the Fight Show. You'll you are at ITF show, excuse me. You'll find all the ways to get in touch with us. Also, www.inthefight.net. Um, again, we would love to hear from you. So for me, what are some of the biggest questions or biggest what ifs in the world of MMA? I think you have to start with what if there was no ultimate fighter? Uh, I think that there's a good chance that this podcast doesn't exist. Um, as Mike and I discussed literally on our first episode of this podcast, which we call the Roots of Fight, what were our roots of fandom for combat sports? Mike and I, you know, we are best of friends, known each other since we're eight years old. We literally both started watching independent of each other, uh, although we talk to each other every day. Uh, we started watching The Ultimate Fighter, I think within a week of each other. And that's how we got hooked. And that's how so many of us got hooked and introduced to the sport. I was aware of the UFC. I think I even had one of the UFC video games. Um, but I really, I wasn't, I, I wouldn't have called myself a fan. You know, I was probably, I could have, I would have been able to name four or five fighters and that's about it. But nevertheless, that's what got me hooked. And I don't think the UFC, I don't think MMA is as popular as it's about as mainstream as it's ever been. It's not on ESPN. It would not be on ESPN. It just wouldn't be in the state it's in today. Uh, so 
that kind of broke us down into different kind of categories. Another one is like organizations. So to me, what if Pride wasn't influenced by the Yakuza? Uh, maybe Japanese MMA would have a much bigger presence than it does now. Maybe Pride would still exist. You know, back when the Ultimate Fighter first aired, the UFC, while they broke through, they weren't the number one MMA organization in the world. They did not have the best MMA fighters. Pride did. Uh, so I think that's an, an interesting question. Also, what if Josh Barnett didn't pop for PEDs before Affliction 3? He was slated to fight Fedor Emelianenko in the main event of Affliction 3. Affliction had put on two very popular shows. I think even in some way that the Trump brand was associated with, with Affliction. And Barnett tested positive. I believe it was like literally the day or two before the event. And not only did they cancel the card, they literally canceled the fighting promotion. So it was rather remarkable. What And then to me, you know, perhaps the biggest one is what if Ken, Ken Shamrock hadn't busted his head, which um, led the Shaws to book Kimbo Slice against late replacement Seth Petrozelli. Uh, for those that don't know, when Seth Petrozelli knocked out Kimbo Slice, who was the face of Elite XC, uh, Kimbo Slice was originally scheduled to fight Ken Shamrock. Ken Shamrock, as I just mentioned, actually had busted his head or something, injured himself during warm-ups, and the Elite XC guys are like, oh, we'll just stick in Seth Petrozelli, not realizing Seth Petrozelli is a legitimate yeah. A, a legitimate MMA fighter, and, and more particularly, a very good stand-up fighter who knocked out Kimbo Slice very easily, and I believe it was like 15 seconds, which brought an end to Elite XC. Um, the next category to me is, is sort of like fights that never happened or um, some uh, kind of related to fights. So to me, you, you know, one of the biggest ones, a lot of them involve Fedor Emelianenko, so... What if Fedor had fought Randy Couture? We all remember Randy Couture essentially left the UFC on a quest to fight Fedor, even though he was under contract with the UFC, and that never happened. Um, apparently, there was very close to have. We were very close to having Fedor versus Brock Lesnar. What about Fedor versus Cain Velasquez? Speaking of Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar um, made his debut not in the UFC, but it was actually a. It was an Elite XC K1 supercard that took place in the LA Memorial Coliseum. He eventually he f uh, fought a, a Korean judoka who was a tough guy um, in his own right, but he was initially scheduled to fight seven foot two Hong Man Choi. And to me, one of Brock Lesnar's weaknesses as an MMA fighter is particularly when a striker sort of launched, was more aggressive against him, he would sort of turtle up. And Hongman Choi was a decorated striker at seven foot two. So I always thought, what if Hongman Choi fought Brock? I mean, maybe Brock, particularly in his first fight, would have been, you know, was incredibly green. And maybe Brock loses and loses interest in MMA altogether. Uh, another one of my big ifs, uh, you know, two of them have to do with Cain Velasquez which is what if Cain Velasquez trained in Mexico City for his fight against Fabricio Verdum. Cain Velasquez was um, historically known as having, you know, 
ungodly amounts of cardio, but for whatever reason, when he, he did not choose to train in Mexico City where there's high elevation, and we saw he gassed out against Fabricio Verdum. And also, with respect to Kane, what if he had a healthy career? I think if so, we would be calling Kane Velasquez and not Stipe Miocic the greatest heavyweight of all time. That's how that's how good I believe Kane was um, or could have been. Another one is, what if there was no USADA in the UFC? Uh, how big of a human being would Vitor Belfort or Alistair Overeem be right now? Uh, would either of them become champion? Uh, what if Anderson Silva wasn't clowning with Chris Weidman in their first fight at UFC 162? Would Anderson Silva had won? And had he won, he wouldn't have had to have the rematch where he broke his leg. Uh, you know, what if Ronda Rousey handled losing better? Uh, maybe she would have been able to rebound from either the Holly Holm fight, the um, Amanda Nunes fight. Maybe she would realize she needed a different style. Maybe she would have switched camps. You never know. Um, what if Connor stayed focused? What if Connor McGregor, after UFC 205, where he defeated Eddie Alvarez to become the champ champ, the featherweight and lightweight champ, what if he just kept fighting in MMA? Um, I guess maybe we wouldn't have proper number 12, although I don't drink, so uh, I'll defer to all of you out there whether or not that's good. Uh, you know, you wouldn't obviously you wouldn't have had the fight with Floyd Mayweather, just uh, it would have been interesting to see where his career was. Um, another one of mine is what if Yoel Romero or I guess even Brock Lesnar, what if they started MMA earlier in life? Uh, yeah, I mean, you all, I think, started at the age of 36, 37. Uh, I mean, one of the most physically gifted, well, even Brock Lesnar, but particularly, I think, you all, one of the most physically gifted, not even athletes, but human beings ever to, to walk this earth. Uh, I can't imagine how good he would have been had he been able to start his MMA career at a, you know, at a younger age. Um, and speaking of, you know, if, MMA was around. What if MMA was around back in the 50s or 60s? You know, for a guy like Danny Hodge, who was a tremendous uh, amateur wrestler. I believe he was a Golden Gloves boxer. For a guy like Judo Gene LaBelle, who, um, you know, also, I believe, trained with like Ed Strangler Lewis, Carl Gotch. These are guys who had to find alternate ways of making a living. All of them sort of turned to professional wrestling. Perhaps if you had MMA back then, um, you know, obviously you had Valet Tudo in Brazil. You had Brazilians and Japanese fighting one another, but it really wasn't a way to make a living. Uh, if you had MMA back then, it would be, I wonder how it would have affected the uh, professional wrestling world. So these are just some of my what ifs. I would love to hear what some of yours are. I would love to hear, um, you know, your comments as to mine. And as always, it's just been such a pleasure, um, not only today, but just in general. Thank you guys so much for all of your support. We are super excited about the new direction of Sportswire Radio. Uh, and again, check us out at ITF Show, all social media, in the fight.net's our website, merch. TKOstore.com, T-E-E-K-O-Store.com, Michael's Glass Company, 
215-338-3293. Tell them Mike and Brett sent you. If you're hungry, if you would like a great meal, DePaul's Table, 7 East Lancaster Avenue, Armour, PA. Please tell Please tell Anthony, the owner, that Mike and Brett sent you. Uh, again, I hope everyone is safe. Have a wonderful week. Look forward to speaking with you guys next week. Take care.